the country of Indonesia. Do they like me in Indonesia? 100% confident Indonesia will prevail. Hello and welcome to the Talking Indonesia podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Purdy from the Australia Indonesia Centre. Today's topic is vulnerable and persecuted minorities and the progress to afford them greater rights and protections since Reformasi over 20 years ago. To explore this topic, my guest is renowned scholar and activist Dedi Utomo, founder of the Gaya Nusantara Foundation, the first organization for LGBT rights in Indonesia. We sat down to chat during Dede's recent visit to Melbourne, just as the student-led protests concerning the criminal code and other controversial bills were in full swing. Hello, Dede. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Now, Dede, you were here in Melbourne for a number of conferences and recently gave a presentation at the Melbourne Law School Mm -hmm. where you were asked to reflect on the progress of, I guess, the LGBT community in particular, Mm -hmm. but persecuted minorities in general in Indonesia's history and to reflect on Mm -hmm. the past 20 or so years since Reformasi. So can you take us a little bit back to that time and describe for us some of the gains, the significant Mm -hmm. gains that were made by the LGBT community following Reformasi and other minorities since then? Right, right. I'm actually glad you start there uh, because if I can try to remember, you know, in ninety, well, you know, in ninety eight, you know, with the protests that finally led to the resignation of uh, President Suharto, the protesting crowds were sort of general, generic students, some workers, almost no peasants, and nobody. Well, I mean, of course, there is the division between the more Islamist students and the more sort of, you know, secular ones. And if you jump to now, I mean, I think I think we have to do that to, to understand how kind of almost bland the, the crowd then in, in 1998. Now, in over the 20 years, so-called identity politics. Of course, many people are very critical of identity politics, but uh, there's also uh, the positive side of identity politics. You can actually fight for your identity and your, and your, and your well-being. So uh, I, I remember actually right in 98, if there were like, you know, LGBT people uh, who uh, took part in the protests, uh, they would do it in, uh, as, as individuals. And as far as I remember, I mean, of course, there were some, you know, uh, Chinese communities who took part, like in Surabaya, the Chinese community was quite, quite strong in the protests. But they tried to suppress their Chineseness during right. the protests. So they, had, in didn't, they didn't hold banners saying no. we represent. No, or yeah. like you know, we would like our ethnic rights or something. No, no discrimination. So, so the discourse has it was evolved. That democracy actually. discourse. Yeah, democracy a, discourse. Mm-hmm. We want democracy. We want you know multi-party de- uh, democracy. We want a better parliament and you know a limit to the terms of the president. Things like that. Right after the formacy, groups started coming out of the, almost like from the from the from woodwork. I remember like survivors of '65, mm-hmm. 
people who went were uh, and also uh, uh, the, the then President Habibi uh, quickly released all political prisoners. So you have people get coming out of jail in all the cities, and at the same time there are people who had been uh, released from Buru. So suddenly, you know, uh, if, if I can use myself as a point of view, I knew one tapal, one political prisoner all the way from 84 to 98. And suddenly the next week after the fall of Suharto, I probably got to know 20, 30, you know, uh, amazing. And people would come out, you know, uh, well, I was actually with the party, but I survived. I, I was never arrested. Mm-hmm. So then, and then, of course, the Chinese. Yeah. Uh, I guess being ethnic Chinese myself. But, but I was actually advocating for them not as, a, as an ethnic Chinese person. I mean, it was part of that. Uh, interfaith dialogues uh, had started before, was uh, viewed suspiciously by the government. But now, mm-hmm. so, you know, these elements came out and, and actually were pretty comfortable saying, yeah, yeah, we're Chinese. I mean, yeah, you know, so people were starting to identify. Yeah, and it's it's all right. And we yeah. were persecuted. I mean, of course, there had been precedents. Like, you remember probably in Surabaya, there's a couple who was married in a Confucian way, Confucianist way, um, and whose marriage could not be registered. And so... Uh, so they went to court, which, mm. uh, you know, uh, it's amazing for mm. those. And suddenly, you know, uh, uh, the Confucianists, uh, well, we would like to be recognized too. So so all these are in politics. And, and at, yeah. at first, the, the LGBT groups were not, we, we were probably the last to act. To, to, really? To, yeah, because as I said, there were there were individuals who were, who were active in the student movement. I mean, I was there more as an, as an older academic, you know, yeah. as somebody who was there. But quickly, by the year 2000, two years afterwards, there started to be meetings, discussions, uh, seminars that openly uh, discussed uh, the possibility of LGBT rights. I mean, the, the acronym LGBT was not there yet in 2000, so it was like gay rights, lesbian rights, warrior rights, and things like that, you know, rights of sexual minorities, together with, for example, women who started uh, organizing around the, uh, the Indonesian Women's Congress. Now, if we go to now, at least in Surabaya, in the poster inviting people to come to the regional parliament there is the you know the logo of the lgbt organizations right there with interfaith uh, other all the different associations yeah in, in jakarta one well, one of the leaders of the protest movement that was is, is a lesbian woman and, and people know and he, of course she's she's been vilified by the other side but but she's still there you know standing on cars and stuff and uh, making speeches and mm-hmm. yeah, so so yeah. there was an opening up and then yes. an organization right and then what was the impact of that organizing were there concrete things that came about in terms of well, progress um, at least for uh, for trans women waria and gay men and other you know men who have sex with men uh, HIV was looming I mean it was it was still like you know I remember it was like Maybe five to seven percent, and now in, in uh, it's uh, in, in in places like Jakarta, it's almost fifty percent positive amongst gay men between the ages of fifteen and twenty-five. Wow. So reformasi opened up. We could argue with the Ministry of Health. You know, uh, you cannot anymore prevent uh, programs on HIV. So that's there, there's that. I suppose activists also learned uh, from uh, well, I guess they learned from each other. Uh, LGBT activists. And we call them mainstream human rights uh, defenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we learn from each other. And, and 
I mean, I have to add that it also happens between, for example, religious minorities, the, the ethnic Chinese as well. And you can see the impact. They were at beginnings at the time, you know, in the in in the last decade of you know the, of the Human Rights Commission, Komnasam, and Komnas Perempuan. Let's not yeah. forget they're they're usually more uh, kind of you know uh, progressive anyway. Picking up the issues and then you know uh, having programs and then international donors also start having programs all the way to like income generation, poverty alleviation. So even even if there, after 2015, 2016, especially there is there is all this rhetoric against organizing. In a way, it's kind of too late in the sense that there is right. so many. So mm-hmm. even if you arrest, let's say, all the leaders of the movements, mm-hmm. new ones, because right. the ones that are leading now mm-hmm. were not there in 98 even. My Just generation, babies. they became academics, they became consultants, or they died. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are you know, older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now, you know, yeah. and especially if you go to the daerah, to the, to the, to the mm-hmm. regions, mm-hmm. They're in their 20s. Yeah, so yeah. that's all and, they and, know. And even my organization, we were afraid at one point because like the median age was like 45. <laughs> but now we're getting people in their late teens, early uh, 20s, at least joining our meetings and hopefully eventually will take over. Right. I hope so that, the horse has bolted, yeah. as we say. There's yeah. no there's no containing it. Yeah. Right. It's going to be difficult still, but we're there. It's difficult. <laughs> and that's the... You also brought up this point in mm-hmm. your presentation the other night and you mentioned that you'd written about this in an Inside Indonesia article. Right. I, I went back to take a, take a look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, very quickly, though, after the opening up and the kind of blossoming mm-hmm. and, you know, all of this empowerment, there was also the beginnings of the backlash yes. against, particularly against LGBT. Mm-hmm. You talked about an event in November 2000, which yes. is kind of the beginning of that. Can you talk, tell us yeah, about that? Yeah, this was, uh, this was in, in actually uh, north of Yogyakarta in Kaliurang. But there is a context to that, actually. I mean, from activists in Yogyakarta who, were, who knew what happened, actually. There was a gay Islamist politician who wanted to, you know, um, how shall I boost their, his, his identity as a Muslim politician. And so he had to organize the attack. So it was, you know, like isolated. I mean, right. unlike now, where, yeah. you, where it happens like almost okay. everywhere. But the, I think my... my was good, it a shock to those who... It was a shock because before yeah. that, yes, you know, we had to be careful. But, but it was opening up. So, yeah, we'll take it up the hill so that it's not in downtown Yogyakarta. Mm. It was a shock. And, and, and in uh, uh, in the New Order period, right. these kinds of events did were go possible. On. Were possible. I mean, uh, I remember we organized something in 1982. We went to the police, the local police. Yeah, you know, we, right. we didn't call it a gay celebration. I think we would say, "Oh, this is somebody's birthday party or something." Right. So you let them know that. It yeah, was- yeah, yeah. And and of course there are people police there. You know, we pay the, the you know no no bribe the usual. Uh, permits, permits, um, and you know they were there to protect. Yeah. Actually, in 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 the uh, Kaliurang incident, there were four policemen, who actually you know we were there to just make sure everything's fine. Mm. And of course, they were overwhelmed by the 150 right. men who uh, came in four trucks. Mm. So this is, I mean, I suppose this is like a preview of what would happen afterwards. Later, you would see it in in different places, different uh, incidents. Mm. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, 
my good friend Tom Belsdorf, um, uh, who who wrote, you know, like uh, the Gay Archipelago about, about the 90s. I mean, being gay in the 90s in Indonesia, I call it political homophobia. So it's uh, it's homophobia, but it is politicized. What we've learned also over the years, over at least the last 10 years or so, that different provinces, different regions, different localities may have their own kind of, you know, ways of, of dealing with this. Mm. I mean, Ternate, for example, in North Maluku, mm-hmm. it's a Muslim-majority uh, community, but it's fine. At least the waria, the wa- you know, I mean, the waria work with the uh, labor services of the uh, district office, and you know, they were trained. The trainer could be waria, and you know, the audience is mixed. Right. It's it's probably not very original. It's you know, sewing, uh, <laughs> embroidery, cooking, but it gives people jobs. You know, yeah. and and there have been no attacks. And you know, I I, I was there uh, early last year, and I asked them, so, so what do, what do you think about? Oh, that's that's Jakarta. That's Java. We're different here. So that's interesting. Yeah, so it's very Upang much is different, local know. relationships between yeah. the authorities right. and, the, yeah. and the activists or the organizations are important. Mm-hmm. It's not just one overarching, controlling mm-hmm. kind of force. But the group that were responsible for the Kalirang incident, mm-hmm. they were what you would describe as religionists. Yes. They recruited from the youth wing of the United Development Party uh, called the Gerakan Pemuda Ka'bah, uh, GPK, uh, GPK uh, and they called themselves that night. I mean, you know, these, these crowds, they actually uh, adopt names almost almost before they go. Uh, they call them the Gerakan Anti-Maxiat, you know, anti-vice uh, mm. movement. Yeah, oh, that sounds familiar. Uh, we can dig up old archives of Tempo from that week. I think there were reports. Uh, the report in Tempo was actually said that they, they, you know, their breath smelled of alcohol, so they were drinking before. Uh, I guess to 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 boost up their courage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And since that time, mm-hmm. you know, a backlash did come quite quickly, mm-hmm. even though there was resistance going mm-hmm. on, and it was in the context of, as you described it, of this growing intolerance mm, that, that yes. was there in Indonesian society. It was among the religious groups in particular yes. and other forces. Why was this backlash there? What's what's your insight? You know, I mean I think I think uh, talking Indonesia listeners, I mean the podcast listeners, I, I mean, wouldn't mind being taken all the way to to like forty five. The debate, uh, you know, in uh, in the preparation of Indonesian independence, yeah. you know, would, would Indonesia become an Islamic state or would it be? Uh, they wouldn't use secular, but it would be like you know, uh, not based on one rel- Pancasila actually. Uh, that's <laughs> so it actually went goes back to then, and mm. and the Islamists thought that well, we're the majority. There's actually a good uh, dissertation by uh, a French scholar called Rémi Madinier mm-hmm. on this, this uh, history, at least up to the 90s. So uh, the, ma- the main Islamist party, Mashumi, uh, thought that, well, yes, see you in next elections. We'll win. Now, it turned out they didn't. Mm-hmm. And they were so scared when the fourth winner was the Communist Party. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so, uh, and so, of course, you know, you can you can actually see this this competition between the Islamists and and the more sort of, for one of a better word, for the more secularist Indonesia, or the more, the more pluralist. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, different shades of pluralism, and it plays out all the time. Now, the the Suharto government actually suppressed Islamism very violently. Uh, you know, Tanjung Priok. Uh, 
is, is one good example. People were killed. So the Islamic politicians have a chip on their shoulder. And they tried all the time. I think the last time they tried at the People's Assembly, um, the MPR, was 2003, and they lost. So they only got about 23% of the votes uh, to actually put uh, Islamism as a, as, a, as a state ideology. And uh, I was told by uh, Ibu Nur Shabani Kachasungkana, who was then uh, a member of uh, you know, MPR, that they actually said it explicitly. They actually point fingers at the uh, so-called pluralism. We'll get you in the regions. And that's why starting then you get the so-called Parda Sharia. Mm. So Sharia-based local ordinances. Yeah. You know, civ- uh, female civil servants have to wear uh, the, the, the veil. Komnas Perempuan compiled a list of about 70 or so of these ordinances. And some districts and provinces also included LGBT. Mm. So this has almost been unseen Mm -hmm. that this has been impacting on the lives of minorities, Mm -hmm. so your religious minorities as Mm -hmm. well, for, as you say, over a decade now. Something like the introduction of this criminal code bill, the review, is bringing attention. But in fact, this is actually an insidious kind of thing throughout the yes, region. And it's, it's telling how uh, the main uh, Islamist politician in the working committee on the criminal code, I think, you know, he, he, he's actually public, so Mr. Arsul Sani said, I am so grateful, well, he thought it would be passed. I am so grateful that I've actually been able to champion Islamic Sharia principles into our criminal code. Mm-hmm. I know you people who are westernized would mind, but... We are there too, you know, that, that kind of thing. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's there already, yeah. though, within and, Indonesian and, law. And if, if we read, uh, for example, uh, the work of uh, Barbara Harvey uh, about Sumatra, you know, Pramesta, it was already there. I mean, uh, and uh, between Sharon Graham Davies and Rhoda Grauer. Well, Rhoda uh, did the film The Last Bisu, mm. and of course, Sharon did uh, her dissertation, which then was published as a book, uh, Gender Diversity in Indonesia. You can see that already you, see, you, you, you kind of see a preview in the 50s of Muhammadiyah and Mashumi. They're not, they're not secessionist movements, but you know, they're, they're like rebellions. Yes. Uh, and they want, again, it's, it's the same agenda. They want an Islamic state. And, and, and to actually remind people, in Sumatra, there is the PRRE. And one of the main leaders of PRRE is actually General Prabowo's father, Sumitro. <laughs> so, Pahlawan uh, Nacional, Paksumitro. Yeah, but <laughs> national but, hero, right? But those days, he was—he had he, he had to actually go into exile. How things change. Yeah. So, yeah. but no. My point is that it's it, it continues. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at the, I'm jumping to the 2019 Current. elections, how uh, Parabowo actually, I would say, use connecting with the or working together with the Islamist political. Politicians. Yes, yeah. for his own benefit, exactly. So this intolerance has a long history, a long history. and somehow and it's a strange thing, but the New Order somehow, in fact, put a lid on yes. a lot of that. Yes. And so, I mean, would you say that being a gay man in the New Order period was more difficult, as difficult than it is today? At the personal level, it's easier. Hmm. N- none of your neighbours would actually go into your living room and just start, you know, pointing fingers, which ha- which happens now in Jakarta, in West Sumatra. You know, it's, it's terrible. And I used to think that probably your class and or your gated uh, community would protect you. Not in Jakarta. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I've, I've heard from somebody who's pretty close to the elite of Jakarta that one of the reasons for, I, I don't know, this is rumor, uh, but I think it's all right. Um, one of the reasons to move uh, for moving the capital to uh, Kalimantan is that it will be d- more difficult for people to actually uh, hold protests in a small town like Canberra. <laughs> Yeah, no one gets on the bus and does that long trip. No, it's a long trip. You have to fly and or take the boat. And so, yeah. so it's um, I don't know how true it is, but it's yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, it is important to look at this, and 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 uh, I think it's a good thing that in the LGBTI movement, I think we can call it that right now. There is this realization that we have to work together with religious minorities, with mm-hmm. workers, with peasants. You could still be killed if you're if somebody wants your land. In Indonesia now, we haven't even touched upon the the fires in the, in Sumatra and Kalimantan. It's yeah. like, and and part of that is actually corruption. That's Absolutely. why KPK yes. uh, has to be defended, but unfortunately, it's been defanged yes. now. Uh, so, in fact, that's kind of like a central critical yeah. piece of this puzzle, isn't it? Yes. And on it, Jokowi has been. <sighs> Okay, there are two <laughs> versions. <laughs> there are two versions, and I'll tell you which one is mine. <laughs> one version is that, oh, dear Orang Baik. Although some people have been cynical about Orang Baik, the acronym is ORBA. Mm. Orde Baru. <laughs> oh, <clever. laughs> so, I mean, you know, Tempo Magazine has Jokowi with uh, with the Pinocchio, Pinocchio nose, and there is a, also a, a, a cartoon with him, and but the shadow is, the big, the bigger shadow is actually Suharto. Mm. Little Sahato, they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have always said. So these people say, oh, he's orang baik. He's mm. a good person, actually. Um, but he has to deal with, you know, imagine he has to deal with all the oligarchs, all the generals. So let's support him. I mean, I, you can see it now. Still, even after still, one term, still. after getting reelected. Yeah, yeah. And of course, from people who are close to the to the palace or to the regime or to the to the politicians. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I I'm not going to mention names, but I know I know some of them. They're actually good friends of mine. The second version is, of course, well, he's learned to be an authoritarian president. Not for anything, but it's just like the power has corrupted him. And that is the system he is operating within. Yeah. That and, allows you know, I mean, for that. it's easier to be mayor. Mm. Probably, uh, you know, a bit more tougher, but not so difficult to be governor of Jakarta, mm. but to be the president of Indonesia. Mm. Yeah, he's actually kind of succumbed to that. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, but at the end, <laughs> at the end of it too, you can, if you, you know, there are many good. The orang baik is because he has good intentions, and the development <laughs> of Indonesia is on track. But the the disappointments aren't there around social policy and yes. this, this kind of thing, and, and yeah. you know, around corruption. And, I think, yeah, if, if, if you can pinpoint one issue, it's the corruption. But it's it goes all over, you know, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the at health insurance scheme, mm. it's deficit for so many billion dollars, right? I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, it's not very transparent the way it's, it's run. So people suspect, hmm, you know. Mm. And then right when they're going to raise the monthly contribution, you know, for people to join the insurance scheme. I mean, the insurance scheme itself, you know, is, is, is fairly good, actually. At the same time, they're raising the the salary of the managers, huh? Yeah. And something that, which by Indonesian standard, you know, uh, is is really very high, like 150 million rupiah a month. I mean, they're mostly kids, you know, they, yeah. on the streets. On they, the streets, yeah. And it seems like the the executive, the administration, mm-hmm. are a little bit out of touch with what the people 
want and think, like it's what you're saying, Mm -mm. raise the salary of a bureaucrat and you Mm -hmm. don't think that's going to be noticed or have impact. Yesterday on Instagram, there was, or the other day, there was a huge backlash because on Jokowi's Instagram account, Mm -hmm. he posted, they posted somebody, Mm -hmm. a little video of him with his grandchild playing in the gardens at the palace, having a lovely time. Yeah. Yeah. People were like, we're on fire here. Literally. Oh, literally fire. Yeah. And also like on fire metaphorically in the streets. All of it. And he's just, you know. know, That reminds me of Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. (laughs) Was it Nero with the fiddling while Rome burned or whatever? Oh, Nero, yeah. Yeah. That's what people pointed out. It's insensitive. I'm sure someone else is in control of his social media account. Sure. But but they haven't got... Yeah, they haven't got... The nuance. And the other day, I mean, this is actually before all this. uh, You know, on every Thursday afternoon, uh, it's been... It happens, you know, uh, for 600 times or kind of something. There is the so-called Aksi Kamisan, which has also been copied uh, in different places. But in Jakarta, it happens every Thursday, except when it's Idul Fitri or something. Yeah. And not once did Jokowi ever come and say, you know... Well, okay, okay. To be fair, he did invite some people once, once. Uh, to meet about 65. Mm. And he, he, he did try to, mm. to, to do something and then quickly backtrack. So I don't know. That's if, if you look at that, you go for the first version, Orang Baik, yeah. uh, surrounded by... But they used to do that for... They used to say that for Suharto. Mm. Which I never... Yeah. Well, and also, <laughs> people in the West used to say that for Suharto. Really? Well, of course, because, oh, right. you know, the man is developing this country, the economy right. is growing. What Opening is, up, uh, you know, for you know, foreign investment. You know, an ally, uh, all these things. Mm. But interestingly, the foreign governments have had a different view of this current circumstance. And Mm-mm. you said something the other night about the Australian government. Yes, from people who are more in touch with like what's happening Behind closed doors, is that the, the the Western embassies have actually sat down with the with the foreign minister and similar official and said, you know, you don't do this. Uh, and so mm. we think, and I've actually had a conversation with some academics here who've been watching the the development. And so apparently, you know, the I mean, I mean, you know, the, the Western embassies, but also the splash about, you know, you you can't go to Bali anymore. Thank There'll be a bonk ban, Dede. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what Aussies have been told. <laughs> right, and and. It's like, so there's like, ah, you know. Uh, but the ba- the Balinese, you know, freaking out. I know. Because you know, the tourism industry really That's panicking. where Bali, and I, I guess you could, you could, you could uh, extrapolate it to other sort of minority uh, people in Indonesia. Said, you know, oh, well, you know, we are in this nation, in this country, and we have to deal with Jakarta. We have to deal with, uh, you know, majority Islam and all that. But. I think the, the Balinese are also kind of in a tough spot because they they are also conservative. You know, they, I mean the 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 case of the of the gay couple who got married at uh, somewhere somewhere in Ubud showed that actually the Balinese elite were not too happy. As long as it's actually hush hush, probably they're okay. Mm-mm. Yeah, there's <laughs> always when, contradictions. Yeah, 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 but yeah, in terms of the response coming from Australia, has been quite quite quick. Mm-hmm. And you know and the issuing of a travel yeah. warning, yeah. 
explaining this to Australians is, you know, made a splash across the media and it has been noticed, I think. But also what's been noticed is that the civil society organisations have been petitioning. We know that Jokowi in the last few weeks and and now the students on the streets. And I guess, what do you think is their main concern? The the criminalisation of of morality, I mean, in general? That's, I mean, I haven't been to Indonesia since this protest started, but from the tweets and from the Instagram posts and from the posters, if anything, the, the, the sexual morality article is the least of their worry. They're more worried about corruption. They're more worried about the other laws, you know, minerals and uh, what is it? Uh, minerals and um, coal. There's mm-hmm. a bill on that, which mm-hmm. might be passed. There's also like a watering down of labor laws, like no more uh, menstruation leaves, maternity mm-hmm. leaves. Mm-hmm. No, menstruation, I guess. Right. Well, which yeah. is now a right, of course, you know. Companies have been ignoring violating, that. ignoring yeah. or violating that, but n- now it has been taken out. I mean, in the bills, it's still a bill. Yeah. And there's other things. Because there's so. 600 and plus, as you say, articles in this, right. in this bill. It's extraordinary. So, yeah, some of them deal with that. There's expansion of the, the blasphemy laws. Yeah, insulting the president. Well, this is a big one, I think, that people have really yeah. got their teeth into, and they're, yeah. not, they're not happy about about that one at all. And in a way, because these, especially the young people who, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the people who are sincere, not the ones who are kind of jumping on the bandwagon and, and hoping that inauguration will not take place and all no. that. But the, 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 the people who are sincere, who are, you know, I mean, who are not funded by anyone, I mean, but who are supported by people in the streets by giving them, you know, uh, food and mm. water. And if you look at them, they've been sort of motivated, or yeah, I guess motivated by this, exactly the disconnect with with the oligarchs. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's more than just distrust. It's like, you're not us. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, so it's the, the, the and it's you know yeah. I mean given that it is coming so quickly on the heels of the election which right. you know, Jokowi so mm. convincingly won yeah and those many of those young people or older whoever voted for him mm-hmm. again yeah. how do we explain that well was there hope well, two months there ago pro- that's now yeah, dissipated th- exactly I mean all and all these bills shock people mm, it's real and. Uh, you know, I mean, from from talking to kind of you know people who are not in the LGBTI movement and who are not feminists, they don't even know about you know the the so-called bonking ban, the you know that you you could actually be uh, jailed for six months uh, for yeah. just living together uh, yeah. out of wedlock. Uh, they're concerned about the the kapika, the the corruption, right. because they they thought it was it worked. I yeah. mean, you know, it's it was it was not perfect, but hey, I mean, you know, uh, finally one one Jokowi minister had to resign, the minister for youth and sports. So I guess in a way, it's like a smorgasbord of issues, and yeah. you know, different sectors of society are going to pick the bits that mm-hmm. they're not happy with in this criminal code, and so maybe that's kind of led to the mass. Yeah, response. in a way, it's good. So that's so that you know, I mean, now uh, the, the the protesters, you know, um, have learned about the criminal code. When you know, when even in my sexuality classes, reaction from the students like, really? <laughs> we didn't know, or they wouldn't think it would be such a. I mean, so mm-hmm. I think in the long in the long run, this is a good education for young people, and well, hopefully, uh, some of them will end up in you know in the, I mean I mean we we, can, we cannot get rid of the democratic system so we'll, I mean you know some of them will be politicians who would be more mm. honest and who know the issues and not not disconnected with the people yeah 
And for the, to kind of wrap it up, for the LGBT mm-hmm. community right now, what's going on there? Are they organising in a way that where they're being, where they were not in 98 being represented, just saying mm-hmm. now they are? They are there. And speaking as LGBT people. Yes, and, and, and that is also educational for the so-called non-LGBTI people in the movement and mm. the protesters. And so they're, they're learning from each other. And, and again, they would be looking at the issues in a broad way, like it's yeah, anti-corruption. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not just uh, the sexual morality right. stuff. Right. In the past... Two weeks or so, I've been I've been kind of criticizing, especially foreign journalists for always trying to get it into, you know, uh, into into sexuality. Yes, it's yeah. it is important, but there are other things, and you know, the rhetoric from us is that we cannot be selfish. It's mm-hmm. not only and 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 in, in, in fact, it is not only about sexuality; it's about other things. Yeah, there are many people impacted. Yeah, in fact, ordinary mainstream. Yeah majority represented people can be impacted by this criminal code. So that's where it's quite unifying in a way, Mm. bringing that all together. And so finally, Dede, Mm -hmm. what is the future? You know, you also said the other night that you kind of said, oh, well, we'll just look to 2024 now. Like, it's like, (laughs) just wipe these five years off. But really, what do you think? Well, we'll have to go through this. And I mean, the the protests will probably, you know, eventually dissipate. And then you, it's the hard work of, you know, lobbying and, you know, controlling the mayor, controlling the district head. And, you know, um, and it's easier to protest. I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, I'm not taking it lightly. But uh, the one thing that, you know, since Informasi has been, been working too well is actually writing your case narrative. You know, and then going to the police, and, mm. and sometimes you know being humiliated by the police, and and, and things. This like hasn't that. been done, or it's been done, but it, I mean, from my perspective, I wish more people were doing it. Right. I don't know. I mean, for some reason, amongst the journalists and the mainstream human rights defenders, there were very few who are LGBT themselves. If I look at other countries like Nepal, like India, you would have you know, I mean, somebody who is a journalist who is mm. also gay or lesbian and who's dares to come out, yeah. uh, we, we, we still need that. I mean, still yeah. have these cultural barriers to that? I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, there, were, there was a smattering of, of these people. I think progress is, is a bit faster with faith leaders. I mean, younger faith leaders okay. or would-be faith leaders. They are, well, uh, it's much more comfortable for them in Indonesia too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the they, 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 I mean, for, for them, you know, they have the legitimacy of being yes. Muslim or Christian or whatever. And they're starting to bang from the inside. It's like, you know, we want a place to, and some of them do succeed. Right. Yeah, I mean, so still, yeah. so this is this whole experience is what you're saying can be quite educative and it maybe is. provide that little step forward for them, you know, Mm-mm. against conservatism, which is what we're talking about really, yeah, against yeah. that way. And and I think the young people on the, in the streets right now are people who are active. Otherwise, they know. Yeah, they are the hope. Well. They're the future. I mean, you know. I know, but I, I think it's something that, you know, just the other day, Greta Thunberg said at the mm, UN. There you go. Right? She said, don't put your hope in us. We don't want it. We don't want that. We're children. We should be allowed to live our lives as children. And right. she's kind of appealing to the grown-ups. I know. Yeah. To do better. Uh, so there is there is that message, too. So I guess this, uh, you know, the, uh, this this hoo-ha with, with the bills is, is, is probably a, a blessing in disguise because it, it actually, you know, almost jump starts. Yeah, a generation. Uh, a generation. Maybe like the, the generation after me, yeah. after mine, uh, it's like, oh, you know, we, we've got to do something. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because many of these people were active in 98. Right. And so uh, their reaction to their children going to the streets yeah. is that, wow, just be careful. Right. Instead of 
don't go. Now it's just no, be careful. Yeah, different it's from their thing. parents. Yeah. Very it's different. A, it's, it's a good thing, yeah. you know, just be and careful. And maybe some little bit of relief, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're doing it. But just finally, maybe mm-hmm. get you to comment on the, the global context for this, because, you know, mm. there is that where have the kids been, what have they been doing? But the fact that we've got Hong Kong protests right. every night on, on the news, and then you've just had the huge climate Strike. Mm, the climate strike. The yes. coincidence of these things is interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, it, it does give you hope, and uh, I mean, I mean, at academic or even even activist events, you know, there's vacillation between oh well, you know, you know, populism, the right wing, and everything, you yeah. know, too hard, too hard. But at the same time, there's there's this this actually gives you hope. I mean, the, to trust the people. But eventually, you know, you got you got to do uh, politics and and. And yeah, some so. of these people might be the ones doing yeah, it. Yeah, who knows? I mean, they might they might be co-opted again, but you know, but that seems to be history, right? I mean, like the yeah. the progress in history. Yeah, and you know, it is only twenty years twenty years since the end of the new order, so progress indeed has been made. It has been, and this is another little little yeah. step. Well, on that hopeful note, and I always <laughs> like to end hopefully. Right. I'll say thank you so much, Daddy. You're very, very much. welcome, Gemma. That was Daddy Utomo. Adjunct Lecturer at the Faculty of Business and Economics, Universitas Surabaya, and at the Faculty of Social and Political Sciences and the Faculty of Humanities at Universitas Erlanga. He is a scholar and educator and activist in research, education and advocacy in the fields of language and society, HIV and AIDS and sexuality, and founder of Gaya Nusantara Foundation. Talking Indonesia will return on the 31st of October, hosted by Dave McRae. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog. Subscribe via iTunes so you never miss an episode or find us via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.